Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Sheehan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Sheehan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Sheehan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Hello and welcome to the program. Welcome to KUDEN. We're uh, happy to have you all joining us uh, here again today. Uh, I'm Eric White with Shidoshi Miller, and we've, uh, we kind of ended last week on, I wouldn't say a down note, but it was some serious discussion last week, and we, of course, like to bring a a little bit of humor and levity to this program as well, because it's just kind of the people that uh, myself and, and Shidoshi Miller are. So we promise to return to the humor this week. So I hope we deliver on that. And if we don't, well, it sucks for you, but uh, we'll, we'll try. We'll try. Uh, uh, but we do we do wow, have some uh, a question to get to. Yeah, yeah. See, you're already laughing, so we're we're, we're off to a good start. Uh, but yeah, I thought I'm you know in that vein. With you, so. <laughs> well, it's a good thing I'm okay with that. Yeah. There you um, go. You know, it's uh, I got to thinking back in some you know moments in training that we could probably bring up and share where you know things either went right because we were lucky or they went wrong and just you know looking back and kind of laugh on them now and uh, so maybe we can get into some of that to to talk uh, uh, about training in general sure. or even even some of the things we've seen uh, over our experiences of uh, perhaps other students other teachers that uh, while funny also have a lesson in there uh, you know to take away so. Uh, we're not just making fun of people. I mean, we kind of are, but there's a lesson. Sure, we are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't. But we don't make fun of ourselves any less. So it's not like standing on a pulpit and just everybody else is wrong and we're laughing at them. Uh, <laughs> I don't right. know about you, but I've done some pretty freaking bonehead things, and you know, it's a good thing that uh, I didn't die in that moment. So anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, so we'll, in the we'll, moment, uh, I, in the moment, I was wiping my forehead, going, "Phew." And now, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later, it's like, <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I know, you know, one of the things we can, we, we'd like to start with is uh, we have a question. We love getting questions. And remember, you can submit those many different ways through email. Uh, one of the best ways, though, uh, just given today's technology to interact with the program smoke is through signal. the Facebook page. Uh, so, you know, oh, make sure. Uh, All right, fine. <laughs> smoke signal. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Send a raven. Send a raven. And we'll get to you. Yeah. Winter is coming. Send a raven. That's right. Uh, but, you know, we uh, we like that you interact through the Kuden Facebook page. Follow us there because we post about upcoming shows and all of that. So that's a good way to get to us uh, through through the Facebook page. And uh, Steve has uh, submitted a question asking about advantages or disadvantages. And uh, I do know Steve is, is on the call. So maybe perhaps uh, since he's on in there, we can... Uh, Go ahead and unmute Steve, and, and maybe he can elaborate on his no, question. Don't do that. Don't do that. Once you open the floodgates, Steve's one of those guys, you know, just, just can't stop talking. <laughs> you always say such nice things about me, <laughs> even when I'm listening. Uh, <laughs> well, I would, I've told everybody I would never say anything behind, about you behind your back that I will not say to you to your face. So um, absolutely honest and above board, right? Absolutely. So. Yeah. Nothing worse so than yeah, that, Steve. So. Uh, 
ex- expand a little bit on your question. I know kind of the, the theme of the question was about advantages or disadvantages in cross-training and other martial arts styles. Is, is that something you've, you've dabbled in already or you're thinking about and wondering, is it worth it? A little bit of both. Where I'm at, the Mujikan school is about 45, 50 minutes away from my home, which is a little distance for me to travel. So I've kind of explored schools around me. I've explored a little uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, there's a kar- karate school just 10, 15 minutes away from me. And then I went in a little more westerly direction and explored with a, a security expert, self-defense expert, um, who teaches some Filipino knife work and some Wing Chun. So, and that of, of the ones that I explored, he was the one that was closest in attitude and just a whole general outlook of Shidoshi Miller. So, so you don't I, want to train I may, with him. No, I, I yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, right uh, off I the just, list. I need somebody <laughs> to train with and, uh, you know, continue to explore my martial arts experience and lifestyle. So I was wondering if that's a good thing, a bad thing. What are the advantages, disadvantages? Um, is it going to help me? Is it going to hinder me? You know, just kind of that, that's the question I'm throwing out there. <laughs> okay. Eric, you start. Okay. Uh, you know, I'd say it's, it's, it's always good if you can expand, you know, what teachers you get access to. Uh, I think whether it's going to help or hinder your progress is kind of uh, what you're going in with the mindset of. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Mr. Miller talks a lot about, and I'm sure he'll hit on, uh, just identifying traits of a good teacher. And, you know, what, depending on the style and what they're, what they're teaching, uh, I think all have, have good benefits, uh, as, as, you know, we often talk about uh, the roots of martial arts training. You know, the body can only move so many different ways, and, you know, somebody can teach you how to punch this way and that way, but, um, you know, are there, are there good quality traits in that teacher, and are they delivering on, uh, on those? I think that's, that's important, first and foremost, beyond whatever particular style you're going to walk into. Uh, I think also with the different styles, like the the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and some of these other things that have to tend to be a little more um, niche, if you will. They're going to focus on a ground fighting versus, uh, you know, punches or kicks or something more specific, you know, uh, that those things don't allow you to get maybe pigeonholed into like, this is the way to do it now, uh, that they're all, you know, particularly going to be additive to what you've already learned. So I think think a lot of it is your mindset going in to uh, to any of those if you decide to take on training from another type of style. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, what he said. No. <laughs> that's, that's one side of it. Um, now, keep in mind, everything I told is, you is absolutely wrong. So. <laughs> okay. I was presumed when you got jumped on the call. So why do you think I used the guest host? It makes me look better. Anyway, right. uh, no, that's not it. Anyway, you were the radio god. Um, you have that voice. Anyway, um, my answer to, to the is it a disadvantage or an advantage is depends. Okay, And I don't mean the diaper. I mean it depends. Um, yeah. Because the first thing we ha- I, I have to ask is, is a question, right? And I know you hate when I answer questions with a question, but the question is why? 
Do I? Why cross? Why cross train? No, the, 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 just let me follow my follow my my line of thinking here, and then um, you'll have an answer for yourself. And it's the same for everybody else because if the answer is you want to do martial arts, but it has to be relatively close, and you only have a couple of options, but your your primary litmus test is you want to involve yourself in martial arts, then it doesn't matter. Right? It's, of course, it's going to be an advantage because you're going to cross-train as a secondary uh, or as a, as a side effect kind of thing because uh, your primary isn't available, and so you're going to choose the next best option based on where you feel comfortable, which is what it sounds like so far. Okay? Right. Uh, as, as you and, and a lot of people know, I, I do corporate consulting as well. Um, when it comes to, you know, workplace violence and things like that. So let me give you an example here uh, from outside the martial arts, then we'll bring it back in, okay? Let's say I get a call from a potential client, and they say that they want, uh, they want a one-day workplace violence awareness and prevention seminar, okay? They, they want one of these things, okay? Um, I could, like a lot of consultants who make decent money, just go, okay, it costs this much. Uh, what do you want to book it? Okay. But I know that that seminar, unless it's a part of an overall system and a part of the training that goes together with an overall security system and, and a bunch of other things that go in place, I know <clears throat> that their workplace and the people who attend will be no safer the next day after that seminar than they were the day they came to it, okay? They're more aware, but there's, they're still not going to have any idea about how to implement things and put things in place because they don't think like I do, right? They don't see things the way I do, and they don't know how to analyze and assess their thing, and I can't do that in a day. What I can do is throw up a PowerPoint presentation, discuss problems with the general approach to things, and... Uh, I can offer some uh, suggestions as in what to be aware of, keys and clues and cues and all that. But even with the best of note-taking, right, they're not going to remember most of what they, were, what they learned three days later, okay? So they remember, may remember half of it tomorrow. But the day after that, they're going to remember a quarter of it, right? And eventually, it's just going to become something else, right? So congratulations, you're a graduate of let's say, Thursday's class at 3 p.m. Congratulations. Okay. So if somebody calls and says that to me, that they want a, they want a, a single-day uh, workplace violence thing, like somebody just contacted me from New Jersey, and they want, me to, uh, they want me to be a part of this program that they're doing, and they want me to be a speaker, uh, what's my speaking fee? Well, without knowing the audience, the topic, the scope of things, uh, the benefit and value that participants are supposed to be taking away from it and all that, right? Um, I, see, I don't just toss out an hourly fee because if I do that, I don't know who else they've contacted. And if they're only shopping based on price that, you know, they're going to pay out for the, for the presentation and they couldn't care less about the value that the participants are going to get, they're only looking at filling a schedule, then it doesn't matter who they get to speak. And they're going to be shopping for the lowest bid. So I don't play in that arena. Not that I'm looking for the highest amount of money or whatever. I'm just I'm not playing in that arena because my goal is to offer tangible results and benefits that will make them safer today, tomorrow, right? Not 
three years from now or six weeks from now after they've, you know, mastered the Sanchin or whatever. Okay. <clears throat> so my question is, why? Why cross train? Okay. So is it because there, you know, there, there's something that either the art that you're currently doing as a primary, there's something that's lacking, like not enough knife training or whatever, right? But then why is knife training important? Well, see, there's been a rash of these kind of things going on or the kind of job I do. Uh, I go to these areas and stuff, and knives are more prevalent because you've done your research, right? Uh, so, okay, great. So, uh, so we know that the art has that, but possibly who you were training with doesn't. Uh, or didn't do enough of it, right? So that could push you to to, um, to do cross-training and things, um, you know, to get more knife or whatever. But you have to answer the question, why? So if it's a distance, time kind of thing, uh, you know, I, I would say that, so I don't believe this 100%, but any knowledge is good knowledge, but applied knowledge is best, it's, it's the best use of knowledge, right? So, um are there disadvantages? The disadvantages to cross training is uh, if you're not that familiar with the art itself, you could be. Uh, see, because so a lot of people, all martial arts are the same. They're just different styles, so therefore different emphasis. But that's not true, right? There are what we could call hard styles, right? And, and they use specific principles and body dynamics to deliver damage and, and to execute techniques and things like that. And then there are arts that we'll, we might call soft styles. Ninjutsu is actually both. We actually adjust the position as we need to. But um, there's some that are considered soft styles. So they use the body energy, mechanics, uh, you know, physiology, and things like that very differently than the hard style people do. So the disadvantage or the problem could be in that you try to marry two things together or more that have conflicting uh, biomechanics or uh, they, they use the physiology, uh, the principles differently, right? So then what you have to do is lock down for a hard style punch and then try to get super relaxed so you can do an Aikido lock or, a, you know, or judo throw or something like that. So there can be this conflict which actually slows you down. Um, you have to be careful with the, with the style that you choose because if the dynamics are different, uh, and you're trying to adhere to a primary, okay, uh, then you run the risk of deteriorating the skill sets from the primary um, while getting good at the other one. So, you know, at, and at some point that, that quote-unquote secondary or backup or cross-training kind of system may become your primary, but, uh, you know, again, you have to answer the question why. So what are your criteria by which you will base your decision or choices of the other systems. Is it distance and location? Is it the teacher teaches this way, which sounds close, but then even once you get into those programs, right, by having a criteria that you're gauging things against, right, let's say it's, it's night defense, right, and you drive truck and you do delivery things and all that, and I don't know if you go to the same kind of places you used to when you delivered from when you were here, um, but, you know, you, you would want to make sure that uh, what you were learning wasn't just, quote, unquote, Filipino or our niece uh, knife fighting style or, or XYZ or tic-tac-toe or whatever. What would matter most, because you're worried about self-defense, I'm not saying you, I'm just, this is just a broad stroke, um, what would matter most is 
is not just their teaching style, but the attacks you're defending against and everything, does that match what your research has shown about what you're most likely to go up against? And then, you know, what's the, what's the likelihood that you, based on age, size, physiology, you know, all that kind of stuff, right, flexibility, whatever, are going to be able to execute those techniques against somebody who has more experience at it than you do, right? So um, I, I hate to do that where it becomes it depends, but you have to answer this question, but that really is my answer. Um, it's, it's not black and white. Uh, but, uh, but I will go back to the if it's a distance problem and you have only have so many options and you're going to choose the one where you feel most comfortable, well, then – the only disadvantage is what that will do to your primary skill set um, if there's if there's a conflicting uh, set of principles or body dynamics or whatever that are going on. Okay. So, uh, but if you're just looking for knowledge to add on, some people go around, they run around and they stay what I would call, uh, uh, they stay uh, in, in beginner set, okay? So, you know, they make it to a certain level of proficiency, level of proficiency in a given martial art, and then they run off and, and start another one, and then they get that mm. one, and they run off and they start another one, right? So yeah. these people aren't even trying to fill the gaps of, of the other martial arts. What they're trying to do is uh, stroke ego and lead off with this thing where I'm a black belt or I'm, I've got training in tic-tac-toe, XYZ, PDQ, uh, you know, whatever, right? And it, you can tell these people, too, because they throw the names around like everybody speaks the language and knows what the hell they're talking about. But to most people they'd be talking to, they don't know the difference between, you know, karate, judo, ninjutsu. They don't know the difference. It's all the same in their head, right? So the, the answer is why, why are you doing it, right? And I don't care why you're doing it. I really, really don't, right? But if you come to me from a self-defense perspective, um, then that's the discussion we're going to have. But you have—I I have to know why before we can discuss advantages, disadvantages, and all that. Let's just start from where I know you are in your training and where you are in your situation. The, the advantages far outweigh the disadvantages because you need people to train with, and you're eager for knowledge. So, you know, my recommendation is right. go for it. Uh, but again, you have to answer the question why. Okay, just like right. I would ask those other people, right? Why do you want to do this seminar? Well, you know, we want our people to be better prepared and more safe. Well, this seminar is not going to cut it. This seminar no. should be a part of an overall systemic or system, systematized right. workplace violence set of physical security procedures, building access, procedures and protocols that everybody carries out every day. Then this awareness and prevention day-long seminar or half-day or hour or whatever it is, right, is an introductory piece of training to go to the general uh, – one can be set up for managers, one can be set up for, for employees, but it goes to the general workforce as a way to justify why we are making these changes to the company uh, security environment. Otherwise, it makes no sense as a standalone. But there's people making lots of money because a, a client calls up and says, we want this thing. Okay. Well, there's lots of wants, but why does the client need that? And I already know what they need, right? So the difference between what they want and what they need, my job is to educate them so that they still get what they want, but it's in the context of something that's going to actually accomplish their objective, which is to have a safer work environment. 
but just throwing together a seminar isn't going to make that. Just like when anybody who's listening to this goes to a seminar or goes to a class. Great, you learn stuff, but until you go and practice it and then work it against resistance and all those kind of things, and there's drills that we work in class and, you know, try to make it break and fail and all that, it's just information, right? You learned it, but are you going to be able to practically apply it? Now, that question is not the same as does it just make you comfortable and believe that you'll be able to apply, uh, to apply it? Because believing you can do something right. and actually being able to do it are completely different things. Exactly. Okay. Well, thanks. <laughs> I would love to know, by the way, who's teaching Tic Tac Doe. That that sounds like a good one. I have not, uh... Why don't we do what everybody else does? We'll just make up a whole other martial art. We'll get uh, black and white checkered uh, martial arts uniforms, and uh, the attacker's not going to punch you, but he's going to reach out with this red marker and try to put an X or an O uh, on your on your E jacket or whatever. And we'll we'll come up with Tic Tac Doe. I swear to God, yeah. within six months. There'll be at least half a dozen to a dozen martial artists that come out of the woodwork swearing to God that they've been doing tic-tac-toe for decades, right? And we're not doing it right, right? It happens all the time. Hatsumi said they made that joke a long time ago back in the 80s that uh, we should um, – uh, he, he thought about <clears throat> – because people were doing this when, you know, Stephen Hayes and he, he introduced Ninjutsu to America. He said we ought to just put on um, green uniforms, green geese, right? And what we'll do is we'll retract our arms a little bit, right, so that they're in a good, strong position for, like, pressure points and things. But what we're going to do is a lot of hip-slamming techniques, uh, you know, like we've got a tail, right? And uh, our distraction will be that we dart our eyes around and flick our tongue out, and we're going to call it iguana jutsu, right? <laughs> and um, we're, gonna, we're just going to sit back and wait to see how, how long it takes for the – magazine articles and the videos and the YouTube things and all that to start flooding out that these people have been doing iguana jutsu for decades and they're the true grand poobah of the iguana jutsu clan. And uh, I don't think it would take that long. So we took that farther. We, we came up with all kinds of alternatives like bumblebee jutsu where we'd wear blackies and a yellow belt and do the same thing with hip, hip slams and, and flutter our elbows like wings and, uh, yeah, same thing. Right. But, um, I, I think it would work. We can come up with Tic Tac Doe and, and, and have it sold in no time. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a good one. Oh, well, yeah. Absolutely. We can do it. <laughs> well, uh, no, it's a great question. And, you know, I, I just kind of maybe add there at the end, too, um, you know, I don't, don't know what your situation is, but maybe for others listening to this uh, on the show now or at a later time, too, you know, revisit the, you know, revisit the distance idea of, you know, uh, is is, you know, if 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 you're able to access a teacher that's really beneficial to you and they're a little further out, is is it worth the travel time and the effort to get to them? You know, I definitely say yes. Just taking back from my own experience, you know, yeah, I you probably had about a half. Forty-five. Degrees. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I had, I had probably a half dozen or more other uh, schools I could have gone to before and I. And then you ended up working an hour away from the dojo. Uh, so yeah, you yeah. Live, so you live forty, forty-five minutes away, but you worked an hour away, and you came yeah. to class after work. So yeah, yeah. So and and, you, and you know, I never saw it as. Uh, yeah, I never saw it too much as a barrier. You know, I, I, knowing, knowing what I was getting out of out of class, and you know, being able to maintain consistent, you know, contact with with my teacher, class schedule. 
and other seminars, it was it didn't it didn't come across for me anyway as a hindrance. You know, everybody's got kind of a different situation to work with, but I'd say it it helped to aid in the value of what I was I was getting because you know we often talk about martial arts training and it's costly. It is not not something that is uh, an inexpensive endeavor. And if you're really looking to continue on with your training, yeah, I mean, uh, the long distance training for me was you know jumping on a plane and flying to Japan. Like that was the big long distance right. trip. But you know, as you as you as you read on history and you learned about uh, different different um, ancestors and people to to this art and others, uh, you know, you you could see that the history f- for people was that you know this wasn't just doled out or you could pay for a class twenty nine ninety five and go uh, learn learn some family's coveted uh, martial art. It was a protected thing. You had to earn your way into a dojo. You had to put in the effort, the work, and scrub floors and everything else before you might even get the first lesson on how to make a fist. Uh, So, you know, in a sense, it felt like the little bit more distance, the investment I was putting in, all of that was in my way, my own pilgrimage to the art and and gave me a greater appreciation for it, I think, than just jumping into something that was, here's the four-week special class and it's right down the corner. You answered the question. You answered your question, your why question. So that automatically made it worth doing. So, um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm going to sound like my dad, who's passed away a couple of years ago and all that, but I'm going to sound like him where I'm going to say it, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, when I was your age and I uh, walked to school, it was uphill both ways in the snow, 12 months. So it's going to sound like that, but my statement is I since training in this art, when I started this art in 1980, right, I have never been closer to my teacher than a nine-hour car drive. So wow. whether I did a flight and having to get a rental car or whatever, to get access my teacher or going through the work of hosting a seminar and bringing them to me, I've never been closer than nine hours. So I certainly understand distance considerations. I understand time away from family. I understand all those things. So I'm certainly not discounting anyone's personal experience. But when I hear anything less than nine hours, um, to me, it's, it's kind of a cakewalk. But, again, it's it's your thing. So I, I get that. Um, it's kind of like <laughs> – I would tell you this. We're, we were sitting we – we had a seminar one time, and we're sitting at a, at a restaurant. It was during a lunch break, and we all kind of went together, sitting around this round table. And uh, we're all telling jokes because we're just really, really close. It was all the black belt instructors, and we're all sitting around. And uh, somebody cracks a joke, and this one guy just snarfs his, his drink, right? You know what I mean by that, right? comes out of his nose, mm. right? Oh, and we're all just laughing. It's just hilarious, right? Except for my friend Tony. Tony's just sitting there just eating straight face like nothing happened. I'm like, man, that's funny. And he said, let me tell you a story. So here's a story within a story, right? Tony says, when I was in college, uh, my friend, uh, my roommate, was eating a uh, uh, hamburger. And I made him snarf. And he shot chunks of burger out of his nose and was blowing his nose and trying to get burger out for the next week. So I got to tell you, after that, if it's not chunky and it's not a burger, it's not funny anymore, right? <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> something to go along with it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I truly, you know, I, I just, my, you know, my thing was uh, again, I'm going to sound like my dad, right? But um, I've never been closer uh, driving from my teacher, right? So uh, this doesn't include. Uh, living in Germany and flying to the U.S. to landing in Philly and taking another hopper over to Dayton and then renting a car, you know that's that's none of that stuff involved. This is just 
you know, once I moved into this area, back home, settled down, and my teacher was still in Dayton, Ohio, and I'm, you know, here in uh, uh, kind of south East Central PA, whatever. It's kind of a weird area, right? So um, nine hours, right? So, um, but for me, um, I was going to go to the best person I could find in the art at that time. It was going to be this art, and uh, I was going to make it happen. And you know, and whenever my wife kind of tosses out a problem and she's hysterical or whatever, and I just put my hand up and I say, "I'll take care of it." It's what I do, mm-hmm. right? If it's important and it's worth doing, I will figure it out, right? I don't blame, I don't make excuses, I don't do any of those things, but that's me. Okay? I get it if you have constriction, you know, uh, certain restrictions and, you know, all these things. I mean, everybody has limitations, finances and time and all that. So, I mean, I had this thing things in the military. I, I couldn't get time away. So uh, what I did was I figured out when and how often I could get time away, and I pulled my money between point A and point B, made sure I was practicing with the notes I already had during that time, and then I would go for this three days to a week kind of thing, uh, come back, right, and go at it again with the notes. So I uh, put together my own training groups because I needed bodies. I mean, so, you know, I, this is why I, I think I'm one of the, uh, the best people to lead people who are solo uh, practitioners because that, that was my life. That was the life of most of us way back in the day. So, uh you know, there, there isn't any, anything that anybody's encountering, uh, you know, that that we didn't have to deal with. And we probably had more things to deal with, right? I mean, there's not much more restrictive than military because even if you had a job and the job was getting in the way and you could just you could switch out to a different job, maybe even take a pay cut or whatever because that time, and I've done that in my past, that timing was more conducive to you being able to get your training. That's easy. Military indentured servitude, <laughs> you can't do that. There is no quitting, mm. right? So uh, AWOL throw it and lands you in jail, and that doesn't help with – well, I guess it does help with training. It doesn't help you get to train with your teacher, but it does help you practice your skills against resistance and determination. Mm. That's what it does. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so that's my, that's my answer. I mean, it depends. So you're going to have to answer your why question, and then uh, if you still need help with specifics after that, then we can take a look at that. Fair yeah, enough. Dad. I'd add two on the uh, the kind of topic of style and different aspects Always of training. Always last word, uh, doesn't he? Anyway, <laughs> well, no, you can talk after this. I, I just before I forget, uh, was going to add that you know, I, I my experience has been that that ninjutsu training uh, has been very utilitarian in that I, I've never come up against, uh, and maybe this is just a lack on my own training, but I've never come up against something um, where I felt we were missing out on an aspect of training, you know, things like the knife fighting aspects, ground fighting. All of those seem to have some level of incorporation into into our training programs or, you know, I've just had the benefit of attending some of your seminars where we pull out these things and focus on them. But, uh, you know, I think the advantages of these nine different lineages and schools that, that they've already kind of kind of brought all of these different pieces in and, and all of that's incorporated into the training kind of at large. Well, remember too, the cross training has already been built in. It's been built into this this art for a long time. Yeah. Like you are the Tanto training in the art that's taught in the Bujinkan, and the Kasari Fundo training that's taught in the Bujinkan isn't in, isn't included in any of the nine lineages. Take the Musashi mm. school, right? So other people were already cross training. It's just a matter of how do you assimilate it all together and make it make it one cohesive thing. 
so that you're not again the disadvantage that that I saw was um, you know there could be this this conflict where your body's fighting itself to, to combine these two systems uh, because they don't they don't think very well okay so uh, that's the only thing that I can really think of because you can learn something from anybody right the the biggest thing uh, you know in your condition Steve the biggest thing I would have you look at um, other than train with a guy who teaches like me, because that's just, you know, that, why would you do that to yourself? Um, is to <laughs> is to find a place where you're going to be comfortable and you, and there, you can you can establish this teacher student bond with this person because it's quite likely going to be a long term relationship, right? You don't you don't uh, you don't choose martial arts training because the guy, you know, the, the school is closest to your house or closest to your work and it's just more convenient. Um, I mean, that's like going and buying a car. And, you know, to you it's all the same, but we're buying this one because the price tag was lower. Okay, why was the price tag lower is my first question, right? And what's their service like? What's, what's the after-sale kind of thing? But if you don't care, if the only thing that matters is just one, uh, one thing, you know, in this case, distance, time, whatever, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you get it. Right? It doesn't matter what you put together. It doesn't matter, you know, it's all going to be – you know, it's in this case, all knowledge is good knowledge. Just like the company that doesn't care, they just want to throw something out to look like they care, then, okay, you know, if you want a cost on this seminar, here's what it will cost for me to do this seminar. Um, it at least allows me to give something to your people. But, you know, in, in, in that case with that mindset, any training is good training. Any action is good action in the right direction because, you know, if you hop in your car and you decide you're going to go somewhere but you don't have a destination in mind, then any destination is a good destination. Any direction is a good direction. Okay. All right. I know. Fair enough. Really made it much more clear for you, didn't it? <laughs> no, actually, it did. Okay. It did. Fair enough. All right. Um, because my biggest distance is secondary. My biggest thing is. I want somebody that I can train with, you know, maybe I should not worry about the, you know, distance. I, I, I understand that. That I appreciate that. It is worth the distance. I, I get that. I just, I guess what I'm craving is the practical application of what I've learned and I'm not getting that where I'm at. And, um, no matter how much you visualize or, or how much right. you know, school or not practice. the other school is not providing that practical application um, you're just doing you're just running through the through the the models well i haven't really i went there once and it was so far away distances it's distance and and the application of what i'm doing you know and this guy he proclaimed himself as a a um self defense person and he had he said a lot of the things that we say um a lot of the principles we teach only when i got into class with him um yes i learned some things and yes it was interesting to learn the filipino knife art drill but one of the things that he did was close with me right away he got in my grill right away and it was face on face and and I was trying to, you know, of course, he's always going to react faster than me because he knows what he's going to do. You right. know what I'm saying? And I, I would have just kicked him and you know where because he's straight on with right. me. 
He said, you know, you can block like this, and it was all upper body blocking Wing Chun. And I understand that, and he didn't always – He dropped the head He didn't always – well, he taught that. We taught, you know, just some different things, and and that's interesting to me because I I told you when I started school that I was trying to find a Wing Chun school. But I'm absolutely satisfied with Ninja 2. I just want to practice it with somebody that will come at me. I don't want to go to the back streets of Indianapolis and, hey, would you fight me? <laughs> that doesn't work. Maybe the best option is maybe the best option is one we've discussed in the past, which is put together your own training group and operate as a satellite school, so that yeah. you're getting consistent training and consistent feedback. You can always host seminars and, and whatnot and bring people in, and that way you can nurture your students to become the kind of attackers that you're going to need. Which is one of the goals that every um, yeah. every training group leader should have, uh, because they they need people at a proficiency level where they can continue to train for themselves. Unfortunately, what ends right. up happening is a lot of people put together training groups for that reason, but then they slide into that, I'm the leader, I'm the, I'm the person. So all they're doing is staying ahead of the students, um, and they don't really ever nurture anybody to where that person is going to provide them with the kind of uh, resistance or uh, the type of yeah, the training challenge. that they need to move on. Right. Yeah. So. Right. Uh, we, you know, we have to be careful, um, you know, so. Cool. Well, this is right. a part of me. A Ninja 2 is a part of me. I've assimilated into my life on multiple levels, you know, um, so it's a lifestyle. It'll be with me the rest of my life. That's how I look at it. Of course, we talked about this at length. So mm-hmm. I guess maybe my best, best case would be um, go to this school that's further away, maybe if I even go once or twice a month, it may be worth my time, and then start the satellite school to give me the practical application by teaching people and then bringing them to the level where they start challenging me, and I become, not challenges in to best me, but make it, you know, every teacher needs to work for what they do, you know, it's I guess I'm not making myself clear. Well, I, just, I just think that everything that we do, when, when you pick one of those things, you, you should be able to back up the question, why? So if somebody asks yes. you, why? Why are you doing this? Why right. are you choosing this? Because you know, you, you know, if nobody else will, your wife will, right? <laughs> so why are you doing this? Why yeah. this decision? This kind of thing, right? Yeah. So it, it, also, it also helps with your own clarity. I mean, that's the first lesson or it's the first area of right. training within the ninja's um, 18 levels of training, Seishin Tekikyoyo, personal clarity, personal knowledge, spiritual refinement, those kind of things, right? It's all it's all in the same block, right? But why yeah. are you doing this thing, right? Um, what what need or lack do you have or need filled that this will take care of or you at least hope that this will take care of? Um, so by starting there, then you're not just running around like a monkey assuming that any knowledge is good knowledge or you just, you know, you're, you're learning for right. the sake of learning, right? Um, right. Which, you know, a good case can be made for that as well, but, you know, you can you spend your entire life learning subjects just to learn subjects, but how will you apply that? How will that make your life more secure, right. more uh, better? How will that make you a better uh, communicator? Whatever it is that the thing is, is done, right? So I'm just a, I'm just a, firm believer in looking at the objectives and the outcomes and the results first and then back up from there because you're going to come up with better solutions that way. Instead of jumping right. into a program, 
that sounds interesting, hoping that you'll have the outcomes at the other end. Because if you start from the outcomes based and you go and you talk to an instructor and you say, this is what I'm looking for, and that instructor says, absolutely, our program will handle that, that person is now making a promise that you will get that. So every time you go to class, you're looking for engaging, is this fulfilling the promise? Because the only thing that should matter is the outcomes, right, the results you're looking for. Otherwise, you're going to waste all this time, and then you're going to do what? What a lot of other people do, and then they're going to, you know, I've spent all this time, and he said I'd get this, but uh, here I am six years later, and, and I'm no closer to what, you know, I learned a little bit, but not, well, weren't you paying yeah. attention every time you came to class? If you don't have a if you don't have a gauge to 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 know whether you're on track or not on track or they're not explaining how this fits in and how it ties together and and it makes sense then you know that's on you not the other person right I mean yes they yep. told you one thing to get you in as a student but who stayed right so that's kind of like yep. when I when I roll my eyes and walk away from people who are still blaming mommy and daddy for messing up their life when they were growing up because they didn't get this or that or whatever. Dude, you're over 18 or 21, right? Now it's your turn, your, your chance to prove mommy and daddy wrong, except that you keep doing the same thing. So it's no longer right. mommy and daddy. It's, you know, so. And I know uh, Josh and other psychologist friends may tell me that I'm wrong based on something I'm missing. But um, if I, I've led my life that way, that way I'm not blaming anybody else, right? That keeps my head wrapped around looking for solutions for me to get the results and outcomes that I'm looking for. While it may be true that there's still baggage in there or that some of it is mom and dad's fault, but if I live as though it's not anybody else's fault but my own, then I'm free to change from one teacher to another or find another mentor or find another way of doing things because the outcome matters. When I was looking for needed to, I wasn't looking for needed to. I know how that sounds strange, but I wasn't looking for needed to. I was a police officer. I grew up being bullied and beaten up, and I was in a, uh, in a family where there was a lot of physical abuse and things like that. And so I wanted this ability to be able to be a survivor, right? I didn't know what it was called, but I do know that I went through a bunch of martial arts that that wasn't giving me what I needed. It didn't look like the kind of attacks I was used to seeing. It didn't, you know, it didn't cover the psychological and emotional. It didn't cover a lot of these things. And I kept looking until I found this thing, and then I decided, okay, let's jump into this and see if, you know, see if it has it. And here I am today. But I'm still telling everybody, just like I did for years. I, I told Hatsumi Sensei this during conversations. This is why I'm here. I'm not here to be somebody's disciple. I'm not here to be somebody's, uh, you know, uh, whatever, right? Uh, I'm not looking to be anybody's guru or whatever. I got involved to do this thing. I have tried to make it fail. It hasn't yet. But my outcomes and my desires are still the same. And if I find something tomorrow that provides me with something better than this, I will be doing that thing tomorrow. But my litmus test stays the same, right? I have something by which right. to gauge that thing that I'm doing because the outcome is what matters. Okay. So, anyway, all right. I don't want Fair to keep enough. beating this to death. It sounds like you know where you're going and all that. So, uh, Eric, yep. who are we making fun of next? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just <laughs> threw that out there. Sorry. <laughs> Tic Tac Doe. Tic Tac Doe. We're going to start that. Um, you had mentioned Google Alerts and wanting to kind of hit on that. So, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, wanted to bring that up so, before we forgot or ran out of time. What's What's the Google? Yeah, Alerts? this wasn't. A, this isn't a joke. This is just a quick thing to toss out. In a, in a previous show, 
uh, we, I think uh, during the discussion, I, I talked about how uh, people were really involved in, in uh, or really focused on self-defense as the primary reason for the training, then uh, they should be, you know, looking at YouTube videos that actually are live video of assaults and attacks and things to get a better feel for that, uh, or they could um, research news stories and kind of reverse engineer things to make sure that kind of stuff is worked into their training. And I couldn't remember the, the thing that Google has, right, but it's called Google Alerts. And in my consulting uh, business, I, I, I really want to keep on top of uh, current affairs and, and, and these attacks and all that. So while, you know, last, last uh, show we talked about the Vegas shooter, which really stands out to people because it's, you know, the, the worst massacre in, in uh, well, what people are promoting is the worst massacre, but they tend to forget wounded knee and a bunch of other things because, you know, we Indians don't count. But anyway, um, that's my safe place. Anyway, uh, so, um, but it's Google Alerts, and what I do, what you do is you go there and you type in a keyword or a phrase or whatever, and you tell it how often you want to be notified. Don't don't select the as they find it kind of thing because you'll be inundated. I get a daily digest. Now I run it on about 20 different uh, phrases or keywords, so um, hmm. you know I, I get 20 of these digests a day. Uh, but it keeps me on track. And while some, you know, they're they're just an attack on the street or in somebody's house or whatever, and the word employee may pop up because somebody tossed in that he was an employee of, um, it wasn't a workplace violence kind of thing. But to give you an example of some of the phrases and keywords that I use for, for this particular thing, for workplace violence, right, um, I have Google telling me every day about news stories that are wrapped around uh, supervisor killed, employee raped, employee killed, manager attacked, disgruntled employee, employee beaten, uh, CEO assaulted, fatally assaulted, Philadelphia workplace shooting, assaulted employee hyphen sexual, worker stabbed, employees, you get where I'm going with this, right? Nurse assaulted, Sunbury assault, Williamsport shooting, those kind of things. So I work, work those kind of things in. You don't need to be that specific when it comes to, like, locations because, you know, I, I stay uh, abreast of what's going on in my area. But you can type in things. Um, and uh, that way, if you're not sure of where to look um, or, you you know, you just don't want to be leafing through a whole bunch of stuff, right, um, Google, you just tell Google what you want, and Google will toss these things at you every day or once mm. a week or whatever. And um, it's a huge help, especially if you're looking to really be able to use what you're learning in the 21st century against modern attacks and not just this classical thing. And I'm not talking down on the classical thing. There's a time and place for that kind of training to get the initial foundational lessons to you. But I think since I have said again and again and again, you must understand how attacks occur where you live or where you travel or whatever and make sure that your training includes the ability to handle those things. You can't write those things off. You can't say, well, uh, you know, we're going to defend against somebody who really doesn't know how to attack because we know that with this ski, this is the most powerful, natural, effective. You know what? The guy on the street doesn't give a crap about natural, effective, or whatever. He only cares about effective, and he's trying to, you know, rip your guts out, okay? So, um you know, you can come at it from a moral high ground, or you can actually pay attention to what the the uh, the, the problem is, and then come at it from that, right? Uh, and then you know, to make your, your your training more interesting, okay? So anyway, Google Alert, all right? Google Alerts. So um, yeah, I uh, I have a, I have a, a 
we were talking about uh, funny things that occurred to us. So I, I have a story I'm going to toss out there, which actually involves an ex-wife, uh, <laughs> which is already going to set it up for a funny thing, right? But anyway, uh, no, it was early in our relationship when we were not wanting to kill each other. And uh, so uh, she wanted to train. And so, you know, we're, I'm teaching these things. And we had started working with, um, with a hanbo, right? I was teaching her koshiori. Remember koshiori, mm-hmm. where the hanbo goes between the, the body and the arm? And mm-hmm. your koshiori means breaking the hips. So you're, ta- you're taking them down backwards, right? And um, <laughs> so we're working this thing. And she didn't have the hanbo seated behind my hip deep enough. It was like right on the edge, right? Hmm. And so she's starting to take me down, and this thing is there, and it's not quite effective. She's not getting the leverage. She's, she's taking me off balance, but, but it's, it's not that thing, right? <laughs> I start to say the hanbo needs to be farther back or you need to reposition it. And all of a sudden, because of what she was doing, it sprang free from my hip. Hmm. Now, of course, the arm at this point is a fulcrum, Right. This hanbo flies around, slams me right in the forehead and the nose, and that strike itself drove me into the ground. And she said, oh, my God, I'm sorry, what, what were you going to say? And I said, never mind, that was fine. <laughs> but for a week I had this, this red streak down my forehead that looked like I had been in jail and leaning up against the bars doing the whole I was framed kind of thing, right? But, uh, you know, what do you say in that moment? The technique was wrong? No, I, I got slammed and thrown to the ground. So, uh, yeah, good. Oh, man. So, your turn. Oh, well, just one of, the, one of the ones that comes to mind of, uh, you know, we used to help out with um, some of the different uh, demos that, that we would do with various parades and events that would happen. And yeah, this is one of those great kind of training group. It, yeah, yeah, but it didn't didn't go so smoothly. It was kind of one of those egg on my face moments of we were going to do this really fantastic, um, you know, cutting exercise where I think there were four of us were going to, you know, all cut a, a bottle uh, at the same time, and and so we were all prepared for this. And one of these things I'd done many times before, uh, but I have uh, a ninja toe. I have a couple blades for cutting and one of them is a, a ninja toe which is the straight version as opposed to the more uh, the traditional yeah the cutting dynamic the drawing dynamic is different it's not the curved blade it's the straight blade um right. and part part of part of that led to in 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 the kind of shuffle of all of this going on is very easy with that to uh not have the the blade side uh, correct, uh, meaning you know the blade side when when in your uh, belt you know should be kind of up. So when you draw, it, it's 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 facing up when it's in. And uh, I had that flipped around and did not realize it until it was time to do this draw and cut, which looked great. Except when I made contact with the bottle, it turned into a you know projectile like a baseball instead of being cut <laughs> nice. Baseball and, bat jutsu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, so it, it just that, caught me for a moment thinking I you know I did the motion. And the feeling was right. all wrong, of course, when I made contact with this thing and the bottle goes flying off to the side of the road and, you know, everybody's clapping because everybody else did a great job. And I'm going, what happened? And then I look down, it's like, oh, I hit this thing with the back of the, the blade. I hit this thing with the spine of the blade. <laughs> like, oops. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, so now now that you're a full-blown Shidoshi and, you know, Grand Poobah and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, uh, you know, so you've learned more lessons since then. Uh, you know, you know that there's an omote side of the blade, there's an uda side of the blade that never mm-hmm. changes. It's always the same, right? It, the, the, it's always the same no matter how you're holding the blade. One side is always omote, one side is always uda. 
it's not relative. It's not subjective. It's objective. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you know this, yes? Yeah. Okay, good. So the omote side of the blade, right, uh, and the other side of the blade will be the same when you put it in the sheath, whether it's in the sheath or out of the sheath, right? So when it's in the sheath, right, let's say we have this, we have the, uh, we don't have the benefit of having a katana, so we don't have the curved thing, right? So we have this nijito, the chokuto, Chinese-style straight blade, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that everybody's convinced is the only style of ninja sword that exists, right? But anyway, so we had this thing, right? How can you, at a glance, know whether it's edge up or edge down by simply looking at the weapon in its in its scabbard? Uh, it had to do with the side of which the sayo is connected to, at least on mine. Uh, could be wrong about that, but... There, okay, there, so are bra- there are brackets. Attachment. Yeah, there are little brackets right. on the side yeah. where the saya is connected right. to, and it should be right. outside, like facing the outside That's of correct. your body, not inside. That's correct. I wasn't paying attention to that. You have gained wisdom. Right? I'm pretty sure I know your teacher. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that you learned those lessons. But anyway, yeah. so right, there's that little notched bracket that's mm-hmm. attached to the side of the saya that has the sagio or the cord attached to it. That should be pointing away from your body. So when you hold that weapon, all you have to know is that, okay, that thing is on the outside. So when that's, oh, if I'm holding that in my left hand and it's pointing away from me, it's edge up. If I'm holding my mm-hmm. right hand and it's pointing inside my, it's in my body, it's, it's edge up, right? So if it's mm-hmm. backwards, then it's the other way, right? So, um, yeah, so just knowing that there's this omote and uda and all that. And that comes in handy when you're doing uh, sword-dependent arts like Takagi Yoshin and all that, because in the scrolls, um, in a lot of these lineages that are very, very uh, heavy on sword, right, uh, in the scrolls, it just simply says the omote, you know, you'll parry with the omote side of the, the blade or you'll parry with the uda side of the blade or you'll do this or that or whatever. Uh, in the Takagi Yoshin school, um, there are more names to the blade from Boshi down than there are in some other schools, right? Hmm. Because the blade, just like in Shin and Kuro Ryu, the, the sheath sword on your belt uh, is often used for henka of techniques, right? Hmm. And it will specifically tell you to use a certain part of the blade because of strength, because of, uh, you know, leverage and, and those kind of things. And in the scroll, it simply says, you know, you're going to make contact with this, and it will just list the name. So if you don't know that name, then, you know, you're going to do what lots of people do and just make shit up. Excuse my life. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay. So uh, let's see. Do I have time for one more story of me being um, lucky? Yeah, we got uh, yeah. Like two let's minutes. Let's do yeah. lucky. Yeah, so uh, lucky. Uh, I got out of the military and kind of set up in this in this one area, moved moved back home and everything. And um, I've always, I'm always looking for training partners. Uh, I mean, now I'm looking for students for my dojo. But I was always looking for training partners because my teacher said, you need bodies. So hmm. being an introvert was not an excuse, okay? I know lots of people think I'm an extrovert because I teach and I do all this talking and all this kind of stuff, and I'm really not. I would really uh, – if, if somebody asked me if I would prefer being in a crowd of strangers at a party or sitting alone at home reading a good book, my answer would be, sitting alone, reading a book I've read 15 times already, right? Hmm. So that would, <laughs> um, I, I really am an introvert. I mean, sometimes my wife has to pry answers out of me just because I don't feel like talking. Um, but anyway, 
so, but I was always looking for students because my teacher said, you need bodies. So, or not students, but uh, training partners, right? So I had found this one guy, and we kind of arranged that, uh, you know, we were talking. He liked martial arts, wanted to see, and all that kind of stuff. And so we, we met one day, and we were, uh, I was living in this apartment complex, so we found this patch of grass at the end of the building. And uh, he had, I think it was his nephew along or something like that. Either way, the, guy, the, the kid was a teenager, right? So... Uh, he wasn't going to do any training, just, just the older guy. And so uh, the teenager sits at the base of this tree, and I'm having this really, really basic kind of thing, right? And I said, my, my thing was, okay, so we're working one-on-one. -on -one. This is not like me demonstrating and you get to watch and then you, know, get, you get to do your thing. Um, we're going to have to work together. So there's going to be some things I can't see. There's going to be some things you can't see. So we're, we're going to start slowly, and we'll, we'll kind of talk our way through this thing. Is that okay? Yeah, okay, that's okay. Great. Okay, so... Uh, rule number one here is uh, because of the way our art is set up, I will be mirroring your movement. That means I'm not going to try to go faster than you. I'm not going to try to do anything tricky, more steps, less steps, or whatever. Okay? Um, I'm going to mirror your speed. Okay? So what that means is uh, if I were to throw up a block or whatever, you are going to get hurt in direction, direct proportion to the speed you go. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. All right, great. Okay. So, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Don't punch any faster than you want to get hurt. Oh, good to know. Okay, great. Right? So, we start. Bam! This guy, oh, just, it was a fast punch. Hit me in the jaw. Bam! My head spins off to the side. I come right back into she's end with a straight face, and I said, okay, so uh, we're going to do this again, um, but uh, we're going to do it a little bit slower, Right? And next to me, at the base of this tree, this teenager looks at his uncle and goes, oh, man, you are going to die. <laughs> and here I am trying to keep this straight face, right? Hurt like hell, right? Hurt uh, like hell. All I whoa. could think, now, I, I continued the thing, and after the class was done, you know, I, I got the sore jaw for a couple of days or whatever. And um, look, all I, could, all I could think was, man, another inch or two back, and he would have hit the pivot point uh, on my skull, right, that the, that the skull turns around on the spine, and there would mm. have been no riding that punch off. I'd have been waking up later, right? Wow. That was one of those lucky moments. But um, the, the look on this guy's face when he hit, and I sprung back, and I said, okay, so like I said, what we want to do is we want to do this slowly so we can understand. And the, his eyes were like, he, they popped open. He's like, oh, my God, you just said that. I don't know why I did that. It was, I mean, it's hilarious to think back now, but back in, back then I thought, my God, one, that was a freaking awesome punch. And two, <laughs> shit, God, a couple of inches more or an inch or two more, and I'd, I'd, that would have been it. I'd have been done, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, shit happens, right? I mean, stuff happens. But um, and so I have to chuckle whenever I hear, you know, that, because there is this old Chinese adage that a man with an iron fist usually has a glass jaw. And that's, that's uh, what it talks about is these uh, people with, you know, they've got skill, but they've also got this ginormous ego, and they're okay with hitting other people, but yeah, they don't like to get hit themselves, right? Uh, and if they do get hit, they either get super angry or, you know, they crumble like a little girl who didn't get candy in the Halloween parade or whatever, right? So, um, but uh, it's I, 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 I've told you and I've told everybody that, that ever trains with me, I think everybody should be punched in the face at least once. Right? You need that experience, but you'll know then whether you're going to crumble or not. Okay? Mm. And, again, there's a difference between the belief that it's going to happen and 
you know, or that, that you can handle yourself and there's the knowledge that you can handle yourself. But that hit was nothing compared to the fact that I just came away from seven years as a military policeman and undercover investigator and stuff like that and, and <laughs> was up against, you know, to, to borrow a line from the Jack Reacher movie, the first one, when uh, the homicide uh, investigator was uh, was really ragging on him for being a military policeman, right? He's really talking down to him, and uh, Reacher's asking these questions. And uh, if anybody that's seen the movie, they're in the uh, evidence locker looking at the sniper rifle. And uh, the, uh, the the black cop says, what could you possibly know about investigating homicides? I mean, you were an Army cop. And Reacher looks over and says, right, I was an Army cop. That means that everybody I arrested was a trained killer. Mm. Right. So, uh, you know, so that was my experience, right? So anyway, so this hit, while it was a really good hit, I mean, I could walk away going, Man, I'm going to feel that one for days, right? Um, <laughs> just what, what, what freaked him out and what caused this teenager to say, it was, I mean, when I think about it now, if that were worked into a movie, I'd be falling out of my chair laughing, right? <laughs> but the fact that I just wrote it off and came right back and said, okay, so what we're going to do now is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just seemed totally unfazed. <laughs> He never wanted to train again after that, and I think it was because I was just this indestructible guy. Meanwhile, I'm back yeah. home putting ice on my jaw going, damn, that was a good punch. <laughs> so, anyway, we don't have time to make fun of anybody else. I just thought some self-deprecating humor would be good today. So I got yeah. hit accidentally by a, by a Hanbo. That was one, and the other one was, I was hit on purpose. But, um, yeah, yeah, so anyway, um, I was expecting that we were going to train slowly because I was in educational mode. And by the time I realized that we were not training slowly, my head was snapping back from being, you know, twisted to the side and almost fitting up pea soup and flying Oof. back so I could re-educate the Padawan so we wow. could do this in a more educationally friendly way. Right. So uh, anyway. <laughs> that was a great story. Yeah, I look back. At, so when I tell people in class when they were they're making mistakes, and I say, you know, um, uh, just trust that when I tell you these things, there's some experience behind it as to why you want to do it this way. Okay, um, <laughs> we don't need to discuss it. We just need to know that um, uh, yeah, there's some experience back there that says this is the better way to do it. Right. So anyway, yeah. All cool. right. Well, that's a great place to uh, to leave it right there. <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody else is laughing, but I, I'm still laughing. That's pretty funny. Every time <laughs> I think about that, I'm thinking, wow, that, that could have been it. <laughs> and then I laugh. <laughs> and, you know, so maybe I have a friendly uh, reference with death. Who knows? But anyway. <laughs> so cool. It's good talking to you again, as always. Yeah, right? Absolutely. To do once a week. And uh, anyway, again, you know, further. Like episode 36, where you and I should crack some uh, some. Uh, bubbly on on the two coasts when we do like episode 50 or something oh like that. that'd be fun yeah uh, do a little, little i'm not shipping it out to anybody else if you're on the call you can bring your own but uh, <laughs> well, toast 50 or something right anyway cool. Okay, cool so uh let's do it again let's do it again next week that sounds like what a great hell? idea and uh keep those questions rolling i uh, love hearing from uh, all of our listeners and uh, you can submit those through facebook or you know join us live to where you can ask them on the call that's always great uh, great as well but until next week have uh, have a good one stay safe thank you for listening to kudat the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news interviews techniques and history for more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118.
or visit warrior-concepts-online.com.